You're listening to the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast, your source for tips and tricks on building wealth through real estate in Connecticut. You will get the best techniques from leading local experts in real estate and lending. Now, here's your host, Robert Weinberg. Good Saturday morning to everybody. Welcome to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast, along with Rob Weinberg. I'm Gary Byron. Well, Rob, nice to see you today. Good morning. How you doing, Gary? Great. A nice haircut. Look Thank at you. you. You're ready for summer. It's like, here we are now. Officially, we're in July. Uh, I know we were in July last week, but the 4th of July weekend is all over with. We're now, and boy, does it feel like summer. Finally. Finally, right? Are you a summer guy? Uh, mm, fall. Fall, I like. Summer just sometimes gets a little bit too uncomfortable, you know? Well, now, I mean, it's soupy. You got dew points in the in the seven. Oh, man, it's just yeah. temperatures in the mid-90s. I don't like the high humidity and all that. When I, I've been out to the West Coast in the summertime, and it'll be over 100 degrees, feels worse here at 80, 85 than it does out there oh, at yeah. 105. You're not the only one that's told me that. But I know you grew up in Florida, so I thought oh, maybe yeah. this would uh, this weather that we're no. having... No, I mean, if you got a nice pool or a beach to be by, sure, right? But <laughs> that's not everyday life for me, at least. So, uh, you know, you take the good with the bad. But I would rather have it being nice out than the winter, for sure. Oh, Specifically oh, yeah. the snow, sure. which, you know, it's been kind of mild the last year or two. But uh, I think, you know, one of the reasons people move to New England is the different seasons that you get. Just the difference, because down in the south, you don't get that differential. It's either hot or really hot or crazy hot. Those are the levels. I got to tell you, though, I I did a gig um, in my I owned a company. You know, I think I've explained. Oh, yeah. I I was a mobile DJ. I owned a a company and um, I did a New Year's Eve in um, I flew into Melbourne. Vero Beach, okay, Sebastian, yep, yep, Florida. Yep. I don't know if you're familiar with this yeah, area very. of the state. Okay. Um, and I did a New Year's Eve for Disney properties in Vero Beach. Um, I don't even know if they own it anymore, but in, in, it was the year 2000 into 2001. Um, and we had a great time, and uh, the people that were hosting me, we went camping in Ocala National okay. Forest. And let me tell you something there, my friend. I didn't bring a jacket with me. I regretted it because it was right around freezing. Well, yeah, at that time of year, I could see it being in the in the evening, especially. Oh, it can get cool. 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 But that's why a lot of people leave during the summer. They leave Florida. They come up here for the summertime because it's just oppressive down there you know even my parents they live down in hollywood florida near fort lauderdale they're traveling right now the northeast and whatnot just because it's more it's just it's a more comfortable temperature they try to leave when it's speaking of which are you going on vacation this summer at all yeah yeah i got a trip planned up to york maine oh nice in a couple of weeks so that'll be nice but uh for the most part keeping it local Okay. You know, doing the, the fun sites and things around the state of Connecticut. How often do you get back to Florida? I try to go. Last year I went twice. Winter time? So, you know, I would say, yeah, typically yeah. winter time. 
I used to always go in December. I would just leave Connecticut around December fifth, sixth, and I wouldn't come back till after the New Year. Your wife That's from da- your wife from do. down there too. Before I was married. Oh no, oh. no, she's from New Jersey. So okay. you know, we we try to stay local most of the holiday now, especially around New Year's. Um, you know. Hanukkah, Christmas, that whole time. Mm-hmm. But generally, we'll go down at least once in the winter. July and August in real estate, generally or historically, um, a a popular time? You or... know, it's, I'd say it's year by year. If you just say generally, I would put it more on the you know slower side because this is the time of year, July and August, when people vacation. People that are trying to buy a home by the fall, mm-hmm. they're already under contract by August. If they're not, they got problems, right? So I had a really, really busy June this year. June and July, really, but um, June was, was extremely, extremely busy. Well, that's good. Um, because, again, people kind of gearing up to close on their home, getting ready. You know, the timelines we've talked about, the seasonality, all that stuff. So I found, like, more May, June, July. And then once we hit July to August, especially, like, mid-July to August, a lot of those people, they're out of the market at that point. They're already under contract on a home and whatnot, so it does get a bit slower. The exception to that will be during, like, a refinance boom, like we had a couple years ago. A lot of people try to refinance during the summer because they have home improvement projects to do. They have work and stuff, and it's, like, the only time when maybe they have a little bit of downtime to gather paperwork and things. But that hasn't been in a year Does or two. it pick back up in September, October? It does. It does, because you start having the people go, okay, it was my New Year's resolution to buy a home this year, or I've been on vacation the last two months, now it's time to get in gear. So we see an influx of pre-approvals and new applications, I would say, like, early September, early to mid-September. Do you think the uh, interest rate will change come September, October? Will it go higher, lower, or both? Gosh, that's a loaded (laughs) question, man. Uh, It's going to be both, because it's going to go up. It's going to go down and it's going to stay, you know, stable. Um, and we'll be, you know, diving into that here. T- the fe- well, show. that's what's leading me into it. The Fed has already said they, they're all they've come out and said they're going to raise yeah. rates. Well, I don't say whatever they say. Go look what they've said for the last five years. Like they normally don't even know what they're doing. So they'll <laughs> tell you we're doing this and then they don't do it or they do something different. So, um, you know, they've said, like you mentioned, they're going to raise rates. We've seen a huge, I would even say a ferocious increase in interest rates in the last couple weeks. We really have. Um, So, you know, the rates are going to be up and down. That's not what the buying a house is based on. Is it the right time for you to buy a home? Can you afford the home? Like, that's really where we want to focus, because if you go with the doom and gloom of the media and if you really focus on, well, is this a good time to buy and is the rate going to be right and is it going to go higher or lower? You're never going to buy a home. You're going to be the guy that called me in 2019 and said 350 was too much for a house that just resold for 525 because he thought it was too expensive. You don't choose as a homeowner or home buyer whether it's too expensive or not. The market dictates that. So rather than thinking you have it figured out and trying to figure it out, just deal with the professionals work with that wealth team that's on the ground on you know boots on the ground every day in the market they'll be able to give you way more information and knowledge than you will thinking based okay on i agree with media. that except well, there's one thing that you said that's not necessarily 100 accurate as long as you, you know you talk about the volatility of of the interest rate true you're right um but the price of the house because the price of the house is deceiving 
what a right? person. So the house keeps going up. Well, yeah, well, yeah, but you could see the co- I, yes in, to what you're saying. But the price of a house right now, just because they're listing it at let's just say three fifty, doesn't mean it will necessarily sell for three fifty. I agree. It could sell the for four, four ten. The four. question is, what's your offer? How much are you comfortable paying for the house? Can you afford the monthly payment? Forget the rate. We're not even going to talk about the rate. Can you afford the monthly payment or not? Well, monthly payments. But 25... you have to factor in the rate okay. because that's part monthly of the monthly payments. Payment. Twenty five hundred a month, for example. Can you afford that or not? If the answer is no, I don't care if the rate's two percent. You shouldn't be buying a home. If the answer or is yes, then I don't care if the rate is nine or ten percent. You can buy a home. Okay, you can. This whole thing about a house being a huge investment, you know. I think finally people in society are are getting away from that, meaning a home is a place to put your head at night. You need somewhere to live. The deal you get on the house, yeah, it feels good, but no matter whether you got a good deal or a bad deal, you need to live somewhere. You need to put your head down at night, right? So people get so obsessed, especially lately, as the rates have been so volatile, right? Our listeners know it's been crazy. So people try to step back and say, I'm not buying now because it's too crazy. It's too volatile. I'm going to wait. And then they get that mortgage quote from a trusted advisor and go, whoa, no way. That's I didn't expect my payment to be that, right? That's more than I'm comfortable with. And then they step back. But if you knew that the payment was going to be higher a year from now, would you buy today? Can you afford to buy today, right? So what I really wanted to dive into, because people don't know how to rate shop. They don't. They think they do, but they don't. And they end up getting in way over their head. They end up making bad decisions. They're trying to make better decisions. And more often than not, I've seen the rate shopping that most people do, they end up making worse decisions, bad financial moves. They need the knowledge. They need the education. That's what the show is about today. So what factors influence mortgage interest rates? Right. So... First of all, there's a misnomer that like one everyone has just one rate. That's it. There's <laughs> one rate out there. What's your rate today? Used to be a common thing. People would call me during the refinance boom and go, hey, what's your rate today? As if there's a one rate for everyone. And one bank's going to have this rate and another bank's going to have a, another rate slightly higher or lower. That's not how it works because there's so much external factors that influence the mortgage rate that me and you have nothing to do with. I'm talking about the economy. What's going on in the economy more specifically, what's going on with inflation, okay? Is inflation going up or down? If inflation's going up, mortgage rates are going up. If inflation's coming down, mortgage rates are going down. It's really that elementary and it's that simple. We've seen the inflation rates skyrocketing over the last couple of years, right? And what's happened to mortgage rates over that time? They've been skyrocketing as well. So they're definitely inverse or, or they're directly related there. Monetary policy, the rhetoric from the Fed, absolutely plays in with it. Um, The supply and demand of the mortgage-backed securities. You know, there's real investors that are buying mortgages on the secondary market to invest their money, to invest money of people that have entrusted that. I'm talking about pension funds, institutions, right? These huge multi-billion dollar companies, agencies, Um, platforms that are investing money in this, and they're willing to pay a certain amount. So how much they're willing to pay or not pay influences those factors of what's going to happen to mortgage rates. And the mortgage rates don't directly correlate with the 10-year treasury, but people say, like, how can I track mortgage rates as a consumer, right? You really can't, but the closest way you can get is looking up the 10-year treasury yield. 
because the 10-year Treasury moves inversely to mortgage rates. So if you see the 10-year Treasury yield is up, mortgage rates could be down. If you see the 10-year Treasury is down, mortgage rates can be up. It's like... It's a it's an interesting concept. It's confusing. But basically, at the end of the day, you know, you really want to be in a position where you've got a team of experts that you trust to help you through this. Right? How do lenders even come up with their interest rate? Is it hinged to the Fed? Because I know you and I have spoken in the past where the interest rates on mortgages is different from what the Fed said. But there, there's got to be a, a there's got to be somewhat of well, a link. Yeah, so the Fed like dumb it down. The Fed is creating what the rate is going to be that banks borrow money overnight. Okay, so if the Fed is is lending money out, let's say at five and a quarter percent, the bank has to lend that money out at a higher amount. Than well, because they've got to make to create money a spread, yeah. right? So that's why I mean, usually the spread is only like three quarters of a point. But right now, the spread is, I've heard, the highest it's been since the 1980s because there's so much uncertainty. So you're seeing, like, federal funds rates, like, around 4.75 to 5, but you're seeing mortgage rates that are, like, 7, 7.5 in some cases. Why such a big spread? Because of the uncertainty we're talking about. But as far as the specific factors that lenders use to price mortgages, um, we call it in the industry mortgage pricing, right? That's what it's referred to as. And the loan program will dictate that. So like FHA loan versus a VA loan versus a conventional loan. All of those may have a different uh, interest rate that they're offering to the same person. The credit worthiness, of course, someone with a 750 score is likely on most loans going to get a better interest rate than somebody that's got a 650 credit score. Um, so the credit worthiness, the term of the loan, a 15 year loan term almost always is going to get a much better rate than a 30 year loan term. Okay. Again, less risk, um, for the for the mortgage company, the loan to value, that's how much equity do you have in the property? The person putting 30 percent down generally would get a better interest rate than the person putting 5 percent down. Again, less risk, more skin in the game. The property type condo versus single family versus multifamily, um, you know, as you kind of go down, there's more and more risk. So a single family home is the lowest risk property for a mortgage company. Then I, I would go with condo and then a multifamily property. Two, three, four unit property. Like a duplex? Or- duplex, triplex, or, or fourplex. The more units, the more risk. Okay, And on conventional loans and FHA loans generally, as well as VA, four units is the maximum. So that's where you're at there. Um, the property use, that's the last one I'll touch on. How are you using the house? Are you going to live there as your primary home? Is this a vacation home? Is this a rental property you're putting on Airbnb? Or is this an investment home where you're never even going to be there, maybe just to collect rent here or there? Other than that, you're not involved in the house. It's all tenants living there, right? So the lowest risk, best rate is going to be primary home then second home, and then investment properties. I will say that lately, because of some of the changes that have been made on conventional loans, second homes and investment property interest rates are like almost identical right now. They didn't used to be that way a couple years ago, but because of the increase in people renting their homes out on vacation rental sites and things, you know, there's people understand that. The investors are wise to that. And they're, they're looking at if you've got a second home now, they assume that you're going to rent it out when you're not there. Are there different types of of, of interest rates um, out there, and, and how do they come up with them? I mean, how do they how do they term, determine one from the other? 
Yeah, so the main types of interest rates are going to be the fixed rate versus the adjustable rate or the ARM. But what's the difference? I- the fixed rate is going to be a constant rate through the entire term of the loan, 15-year, 20-year, 30-year, whatever. It's The interest rate's never going to change. In contrast, an ARM loan, it offers a fixed rate for just a certain period, usually a short period, anywhere from, I would say, one to seven years is average. I've seen arms as long as 10 years, but generally one to seven years. The most popular right now, I would say, is like a five-year or a seven-year arm because you get a rate locked in for five or seven years. The average homeowner only keeps their mortgage three to four years. So it kind of gives you a good opportunity to see, like, how long am I going to stay in this home? Are the rates going to go down? Maybe I'll refinance in two, three, four, five years before that rate adjusts. That can be a good move, you know, for some people. But the interest rates generally have to be a bit better on an adjustable to make it worth the risk, right? So if a fixed rate is at six and a half percent and an adjustable rate's at six and a quarter percent, is it worth the extra risk just to save a quarter? For many people, they'd say no, okay? Some would say yes, but back when I sold a lot of ARM loans, back, you know, in the early 2000s, these were really, really hot products. And I will tell you that, you know, the people that took the ARM loans it was because the interest rate was significantly lower, anywhere from three quarters to one percent, even one and a half percent lower. So I would give them the option. Hey, we can do a 30 year fixed at five and a half percent or we can do a three year adjustable rate that's fixed for the first three years. And the interest rate on that is only going to be, say, four and three quarters percent. Which one do you prefer? And then we would kind of go through the pros and the cons. Obviously, some people made bad moves. They, they didn't take a long enough adjustable rate, and they got into trouble. That's why right now, five to seven years is what I see. Less than that, I really don't see an advantage, and I don't really see many people taking those. When, really the, interest, when the interest rate goes down, who, who, and, some, and a client wants to refi, who does it, who's the advantage go towards? Does it go towards the, the client, the customer, or the bank? I mean, it just depends on their scenario because someone refinancing from, you know, five and a quarter to four and a quarter is different than someone refinancing from six and a half to six and an eighth, right? They both can save money, but it's all about you and what your financial goals are. Some people have told me, I will not refinance. $200 a month is not enough. That's not enough to make it worth it for me. I've had other people gladly and happily refinance for $75 a month, and it's life-changing. Yeah, that's silly. It's silly to you, but not for. But everyone. why would a bank? What's to the advantage of the bank if you refi? They're they're taking money out of their own pocket. But it depends who you use for that refi. You're just assuming you call the bank. Most people, that's one stop on their list. But why not call a local mortgage advisor? Why not call a, a credit union? Why not look at these other options of places to get a loan? Right? It's not just taking money out of your bank's pocket. It's where can you actually put money back in your pocket. So then how can borrowers ensure that they're getting the best interest rate when applying for a mortgage? All right. So I would say, first and foremost, if you want the best rate, you got to have the best credit. So that's where we really got to start is making sure you're improving your credit score the most that you can. Where's the sweet spot? I mean, look, once you're up in that 740 to 760 credit score range, 
getting an extra couple points here or there isn't really going to help. So if you're 740 or greater, consider yourself excellent credit and move forward. Uh, Maintaining a stable income, that's really important. I've had people switching jobs right around the time they're trying to get a mortgage. That can create a lot of hardships, a lot of issues. Uh, Minimizing your debt to income. If you know you're buying a home, if you know you're going to refinance, if you know you're going to be getting any sort of mortgage in the coming year, spend time now optimizing your debt paying those credit card balances down that got out of control, the vacations, the different things that came up. Pay that down now so when we go to run your credit and give you a mortgage interest rate, you're going to qualify for the best rate, the best program. Um, Shopping around, you know, there was a time when I would tell people that, you know, shopping around is a waste of time because it really was. The the spreads between lenders, especially during that last refinance boom, it was very small, like, a quarter percent, an eighth of a percent through a lot of lenders. Mm -hmm. So shopping around, you could save a little bit of money, but what if the rates went up during that time and you didn't lock in, you could end up in a worse position. So I really came from the standpoint of, you know, getting the best advice rather than trying to save an eighth or a quarter here. And I still believe that, but what I've seen lately is that the disparity between some lenders, like a credit union versus a bank versus a mortgage broker, it can be a lot more now because the rates are a lot higher. Okay. You, you mentioned something that really got my attention. You mentioned credit score a moment ago. What role does your credit score play when you're looking for an interest Higher rate? credit score means lower risk, you know, generally speaking, and that's going to make the borrower more likely to qualify for a better rate. Lenders are just naturally going to offer a better rate to people that have less risk involved with it. Um, But another thing you can do to lower your mortgage rate is to have a bigger down payment or have more equity in the home. You know, that's a big thing. Sometimes you can save a quarter percent on your mortgage rate just by putting down, for example, 15 percent versus 5 percent. Like it can make that that big of a difference. Um, Generally, 40 percent is going to be the the spot where if you put 40 percent or more down, you're getting the best rate. Okay, (laughs) so that's really what you want to look for there. There's another thing that has recently come out called an LLPA waiver. LLPA stands for a loan level price adjustment. Basically, in layman's terms, it's a fee that the government added or a tax to home buyers, as I call it, that they added based on your credit scores and, and some other factors, down payment and whatnot. The LLPA waiver, they take those fees away. They take that tax away. But it's only for first-time buyer programs below 80% of the median income. So if you're a high earner, you won't qualify for that. But if you're someone just starting out, maybe you're only making 50, 60, 70,000 household income, you could get this first-time homebuyer LLPA waiver, and you could save a quarter to even a half a percent on your mortgage rate. So that's really, really okay. important to understand. You know, time is just getting away from me. I'm, I'm so into this topic. Folks, you're listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast. You can reach Rob online on his website at Rob gw.com and his number is 860-413-3938 i'm going to repeat all of that and actually uh his web his uh, email address in just a few minutes so hang in there um can borrowers can you negotiate uh your rates or or to lower your mortgage rating yeah so i think the term negotiation maybe is the wrong term to use like is there flexibility with the rates okay. yes is there ways to manipulate the rates in well you said the higher your, your credit score is so Yeah, I'm more talking about playing around with different combinations of points, down payment, different terms of the loan to see if it makes sense. So, like, 
I've had clients come to me that are well off financially that go, hey, you know what? I've got this extra money and I want the lowest rate. Does it make sense for me to pay one point or two points to lower the rate? And we can look at that scenario, you know, to lower the rate the way that they want it and see how long is it going to take to break even on that lower rate, right? Um, Then the other thing is the loan term. Maybe we're starting out at a 30-year, but they want the lowest rate. Well, let's look at a 15-year. Can you afford a 15-year mortgage payment? You might see the rate go from, for example, 6.5 to 5.5, just from going from a 30-year to a 15-year. Beware, the payment's going to be a lot higher because you're paying it off quicker. But for those dead set on getting the lowest rate available... That's definitely a route that we could go. Ask for different quotes from your advisor. Ask for zero points, one point, to see what makes the most sense. Um, and, And we talked about shopping around. You don't need to go crazy, but talk to, like, two lenders, you know, um, that are well-respected, trusted, local, that really have your best interests at heart, don't waste a lot of people's time. You know, I had someone call me yesterday that on their credit, I saw they were talking like eight lenders. That's a complete waste of time. You know, it really is because you're a lot of people are putting a lot of their knowledge and education and the time that they've learned how to do this into helping you. So if you're going to waste all those people's time, it's just you're not going to look good. OK, and it's and you are going to burn a bridge if you have to go back to them later on. Uh, mortgage broker, you know, when it comes to shopping around, there's one place where I love having the ability to broker loans because I can shop you with different banks. I can shop you to see who's offering the best deal, but I only have to pull your credit once. So you don't have to go to 10 different banks and have your credit pulled by 10 different places. Come to me. Let me take a look. Let me go out to my vast network of many, many different banks all over the country and get you that best deal. Yeah, that's key. And what about the economic conditions that we're currently in? Some of the market trends, can that impact mortgage rates? Right. Right now, we're seeing it more than ever, Gary. The in the industry, the economy is so volatile. No one knows what's going to happen. When the economy is strong and there's a high demand for borrowing, interest rates tend to rise. And that's what they're showing right now is they're showing the economy strong. These numbers keep coming in. Jobs are strong. The Fed wants to see jobs not be strong for them to stop raising the rates. So when we see economic downturns like recessions, when there's less demand for borrowing, that's when we see the rates come down. And I'll tell you right now, I do predict a future recession. It doesn't look like we're in one now based on the data, but I do predict that we are going to see one without a doubt. And when we do, you will see mortgage rates come down. But how high do they go between now and then, right? When do you think that? A year from now? Two years from now? I mean, look, I... I like to think that the people I listen to are very knowledgeable and educated, and they're calling for as early as the end of the year, us seeing the rates. End of this year. End of this year or early next year. In one minute's time, any tips that you can offer, some strategies? I know we're short on time, but I want to get anything I can from you here. Yeah, I would say, you know, if you're buying your first home, marry the house, date the rate. You know, (laughs) you're only buying the house once. Be careful with that and don't get too wrapped up in what rate you get. Um, It's a win-win scenario. If you lock in now and rates go up, you're locked in. You're okay. But if you lock in now and rates go down, we can look at that refi 6, 12, 18 months from now. Can you afford the payment? That's the biggest question you got to ask yourself. That's the most important thing. Detach yourself from the emotions of having a high rate or a higher price on a home. Can you afford it? comfortably, that's the key right there to making sure you get the best deal on the mortgage. Right. So Because no, nobody wants to you know, lock themselves in for 30 years at a fixed rate and then only to have a month later, you know, 
they could have gotten a, a point, a point, you know, you know a like percentage, it's, percentage it's and a half. It's the same less. thing as buying a pack of gum at the store for two bucks, and a week later it's a dollar fifty. No, it it's not bad. the same as that, man. Yeah. No, nice try though. Well, Boom. it is though because you can do the mortgage over again. You can, but, but you not only that quickly. Buy the house once. Not that quickly. You're not, not going to next you know, week. No. But you know, we're going to be monitoring it over time. My clients are comfortable and they are happy in the rate they've got because they have the house they love. Folks, you've been listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show. Let me tell you some ways that you can get in touch with Rob. I'd say start with his website first. Very easy to remember. RobGW.com. Doesn't get any easier than that. I do want to give you his email address because I did not do that earlier. It's simply this. It's Mortgage Matters Radio Show at gmail.com. And his phone number, write this down. I'll say it twice. 860-413-3938. For Rob Weinberg, I'm Gary Byron. Thank you so much for listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast. Until next Saturday morning, have a good one, everybody. So long. Thanks for listening. If you have questions about the information we've covered or would like to discuss mortgage financing for your situation, you can reach Robert Weinberg by visiting www.robgw.com.